Welcome to The Dream Show. I'm Jane Theresa Anderson and this is episode 272-272. During 2023, we're departing from our usual podcast format to bring you the audio version of my most recent book, Bird of Paradise, subtitled Taming the Unconscious to Bring Your Dreams to Fruition. Today's episode is part seven of the 10-part series. Each episode is standalone, but you will get maximum enjoyment if you begin with part one, which is episode 266. If you love the guest format, don't worry, it will return in late November 2023 when we've delivered all 10 episodes of Bird of Paradise. And remember, you can go back through every single episode of The Dream Show, all the way back to our first episode in 2009, and listen to my conversations with our guests as we explore their dreams. You can do all of that at janetheresa.com. That's Teresa without an H. Publishing the audio version of Bird of Paradise through the podcast means there's no fee for you. But... If you'd like to express your appreciation and enjoyment, I'd like to encourage you to buy the paperback version for yourself or as a gift for a friend or two. Thank you. If you've missed the previous episodes of Bird of Paradise, here's a quote from the back cover to give you an idea of what's in store as you listen. Bird of Paradise is an inspirational guide to finding your calling and navigating your life using dreams, mysteries and alchemy. It's part whimsical memoir, part healing balm and part alchemical guide and it delivers my down-to-earth tools and techniques for decoding dreams and synchronicities as well as my unique signature alchemy practices that enable you to flow and grow with life's challenges, paradoxes and mysteries. So here we go, part seven. And this chapter's called Baby's Breath, Gypsophila. Isn't it interesting that when we meet something new, we first try to make it fit with what we already know? Congratulations, it's a vampire. In my dreams, I give birth, but never to babies, began the person who had called into the radio program to discuss their dreams with me. I have birthed a vampire, a penguin, an insect. What does all this mean? No doubt after having given birth in her dream, the caller was pretty startled to look down and see a vampire flexing its wings and flashing its fangs in anticipation of its first feed at its mother's breast. And no doubt she was relieved when she greeted her fledgling penguin that it hadn't instinctively tried to peck its way into the world with its sharp beak that was designed for cracking eggshell. As for a tickling insect, well, I shudder. The caller's dreams reminded me of one of my own strange birth dreams. It was late 1980, just before the birth of my daughter, Rowan. I dreamed I gave birth to a stick insect. I was a little disappointed, but mostly I was concerned about how I was going to look after this very fragile little being. I might squash it by mistake, 
or it might jump away and be forever lost or camouflaged on one of the hundreds of indoor plants that were de rigueur interior decor back in those days. What did my dream mean? During my pregnancy, I had been working as a high school teacher, teaching biology and general science. One of the introductory courses involved teaching the students to handle earthworms and stick insects. This was a course I managed to teach dozens of times without ever touching one of those creatures myself. Earthworms, to me, were every bit as slimy as the students believed them to be, even though, as I confidently explained, they were actually dry to the touch. Pick them up, I encouraged the pupils. There, see? It's not so bad, is it? No one ever noticed that the earthworms and I kept a comfortable distance. While some students overcame their squiggly, wriggly earthworm phobias, I never did. When it came to teaching the stick insect lesson, I wondered how to hold a stick insect firmly enough, yet gently enough, to protect it without squeezing the life from it. So for me, stick insects represented the fragility of life and the need for a delicate balance between being too firm and too gentle. In one way, my dream was a perfect pre-birth parenting lesson. In another way, my dream revealed the natural anxieties of a new mother-to-be who clearly hoped that her innate maternal instincts would rise to the occasion. So far, my dream interpretation seems simple. I was about to give birth, and my dream was exploring my forthcoming parenthood. But while this was true, my dream had other levels of meaning too. When you dream of giving birth, you are dreaming about what you are creating or or giving birth to in your life. I had chosen to become a mother to leave my job and create a new life at home with a baby. How would I cope without a career? How would I survive without intelligent adult company for hours on end, day after day? At that time in my life, I was not accustomed to spending time by myself. These were valid and fearful questions. My dream showed my concerns that the new lifestyle I was creating for myself might be fragile, that it and I might feel lost or crushed. That was the deeper meaning of my dream. I didn't know enough about dreams at the time to understand this, however. As it happened, neither of my children turned out to be stick insects. All my mothering instincts kicked in on cue, and we all survived to tell the tale. As my dream foreshadowed, I was faced with some of my personal fragilities during the next few years, when we lived in challenging circumstances in Nigeria and then in Ecuador, before relocating to Australia. I found new strengths, and Rowan and Ewan grew into extraordinary, beautiful adults. If I had understood my dream back then, I would probably have gained those strengths earlier with fewer challenges presenting themselves in the outer world. So what about the caller's dreams of giving birth to vampires, penguins and insects? Vampires drain you of your lifeblood and energy. 
So perhaps she was creating something new in her life that, that felt draining and exhausting. Baby penguins are born into icy conditions and need protection from the wind. Perhaps the dreamer was creating something new in her life under extreme conditions, something that would need supreme care and protection. It all depends on how the dreamer feels about a vampire, a penguin, or in my case, a stick insect. Just as I put the label fragile on my stick insect, the caller needs to put her personal labels on vampire and penguin to discover what energy she feels or fears she is creating in her life. There are lots of interesting similarities to contemplate between a vampire and a penguin. A vampire is a human or a bat, but not a bird, even though it has wings and can fly. A penguin is a bird, and even though it has wings, it cannot fly. When you look into someone else's dream to offer an interpretation of it, you can get plenty of clues by looking at the connections between the various symbols in a dream. Birth dreams are not just for women. In dreams, all things are possible. And many men have told me about their dreams of giving birth, juicy and intriguing details included. Alternatively, your dreaming mind may give birth dreams a wide <clears throat> birth and choose to explore similar subjects through symbols of animals giving birth, trees coming into leaf or fruit, or other metaphors. I loved this one of mine. I dreamed I was packing up a stage, handing boxes and things down to assistants in the auditorium. The last item was a really heavy cylindrical package, almost two metres long. Although it was heavy, I could lift it and carry it. I carried it to the edge of the stage and called one of the assistants over. I half dropped and half slipped the cylindrical package into his braced arms. He took the weight and I joked, Congratulations, sir. It's a boy. I woke myself up laughing at my dream joke. Yes, I had made light of birthing something heavy. This dream refers to the way I often make light of a big project once it's done and delivered. I write a book, labouring intensely for months, and as soon as it's finished, the enormity of the task fades in my memory. The Ancient Alchemist In a dream of mine, an ancient alchemist leaned in close and shared his advice. When you work with the feminine, work with earth. When you work with the masculine, work with metal. When you gain clarity, work with perspex. The previous day I had been puzzling over the best way to approach the next step of a project. There were several possibilities, each quite different. I had been working long hours and knew that a good night's sleep would refresh my brain and give me clearer perspective. I also typically trust the age-old wisdom to sleep on it whenever there's a key decision to make. The alchemical combination of restorative sleep 
and insightful dreams has the potential to transform a, a rusty heap of mental overload into a solution of gleaming gold. It's the job of the dreaming mind to process your conscious and unconscious experiences of recent days. It's also its job to do a bit of mental and emotional housework and maybe even occasionally a major spring cleaning. This creates a sense of order as loose ends are tied up, problems are solved and perspective is found. On an ideal dreaming night, that's what happens. On a less than ideal dreaming night, the mental and emotional housework gets as far as gathering all the loose ends and and stuck patterns of thinking in a big pile and leaving them all there in what is an unresolved dream. When you learn the art and science of dream interpretation, you can explore that pile and discover why your dreaming mind is currently unable to resolve issues and challenges for you. Why clarity has eluded you. You'll discover unconscious limiting beliefs and associated emotions that are limiting perspective and blocking effective solutions. When you become proficient at understanding your dreams, you'll welcome those stuck, messy dreams and enjoy doing some detective work, gaining new self-awareness and applying dream alchemy techniques to magically untangle the mess and remove the blocks that prevent you from moving forward in your life. There's still still a little dream work to do on those magical mornings when you wake up from an ideal dreaming night with a a neatly resolved dream. Now it's time to do the work of cherishing the dream, reliving it in your mind's eye and your heart's beat so that it stays with you to light and inspire your way. I loved that my dream gifted me an audience with the ancient alchemists which is my time-transcendent inner wisdom accessed through my dreams at night. When I reviewed the project I had been working on, I saw that it did indeed begin with working with the feminine, working with the earth. That was the fertile, creative, nurturing inner world phase, the essential energy of the writing and dream work that I do. Once that part of the project was established, It did indeed move on to working with the masculine, working with metal. That was the mental, metal, work, the outer world phase of building of the structure, of manifesting the project into accessible form. The third phase, clarity on the next step of the project, had arrived now that my refreshing sleep had delivered and I had woken with clear vision. As my ancient alchemist advised, when you gain clarity, work with perspex. This, in dreams speak, I love the play on words dreams employ, is a poetic way of saying clear perspective. Maybe this is universal advice that's helpful for you too. Begin with the inner work, then move to the outer work. Allow for the clear vision that birthed the project in the first place to shift and change. There's alchemy in doing any work, any project. Expect to be transformed. 
anticipate a shift in perspective once you've finished, once you've completed the feminine and the masculine phases of it, the yin and the yang. Let the scaffolding, the bits and pieces of building detritus, the long working shifts, the tired brain go. Sleep on it. Invite fresh perspective in. Welcome it and work with it. Work with perspex from that point forward. Maxi's Moustache Sipping a double shot espresso in a coffee shop with Michael, back in the days before I went caffeine free, I noticed our waiter's Movember moustache. I can't wait to shave it off, he confided. Children look at me like I'm the scary kind of man their mums have warned them about. Never heard of Movember? The Movember movement began in Australia in 2003 before going global. Men who participate don't shave their moustaches for the entire month of November as an awareness and fundraising campaign for men's health, notably prostate cancer and depression. Or I feel like I should be serving coffee to a 70s soundtrack, the waiter added. A memory percolated from 1981. I was sitting in the one and only cafe on a small campus in Ife, Nigeria, where we were living at the time. My daughter Rowan, nine months old, was seated on my lap, staring at Max, one of the very few Caucasians around. Max was bald and sported a moustache and bushy beard to compensate for the lack of hair on his head. Rowan stared and stared puzzled, then slowly tilted her head to one side as far as she could until she was almost viewing Max from upside down. Suddenly she got it. She hadn't seen a bald and bearded man before and she must have figured he had his head on upside down. In her whole nine months of life experience she no doubt had learned that hair belonged on the top of the head and bare skin belonged on the chin. She was just trying to make sense of her world. Isn't it interesting that when we meet something new, we first try to make it fit with what we already know. It's human nature, both in waking life and in our dreams, which are all about processing our latest experiences and trying to make sense of them. If Movember has passed you by, How quick were you to think I'd made a typo in my opening sentence, meaning to type November? Or did you read it as November anyway, making the word fit with what you already knew? Otherwise, otherwise. Bath time, when my children were very small, was great fun. Until the moment came to lift them from the water, they never wanted to get out. Eventually, I found the happy solution. Who's going to take the plug out, you or me? I'd ask. Me, me, I want to, would come the unerring reply. Once the water was gone, they were happy to leap out and move on to the next game. It worked until they were old enough to realise that I was giving them severely limited options and that it was me who was really pulling the plug on their fun. 
A man once told me about a dream in which he was in a rowing boat on a calm lake when five tornadoes appeared. The tornado struck the water and spun it into gurgling holes as if five enormous bath plugs had been pulled from the sand beneath the lake. He felt the dream was warning him that his money, invested in various projects, was going down the drain. Our warning dreams motivate us to take action, but what kind of action should we take? Are our dreams warning are, are our dream warnings accurate or do they reflect our fears and beliefs? Was this man's money inevitably going down the drain? Or was he projecting and creating this outcome based on his unconscious beliefs and experiences, his conditioning? Had the plug already been pulled, or did he still have options? And in any case, was this man's dream about his financial affairs, or did it reflect other valuable information he could work with to ensure calmer waters in his life? My children expected only one outcome, that the plug would be removed in the next minute and the water would go down the plug hole. So the same outcome always manifested. If they had been older, (laughs) they might have suggested that they stay in the bath longer or that we run more hot water into the tub. They would have learned the lesson that other wise options always exist. Or they might have stayed in the bath until the water went cold and learned a different but equally wise lesson from their experience. Alternatives. Wider choices. Whichever way we gain wisdom from our choices, if we are open enough to learn the lessons they offer. Sometimes the wisdom is learned under happy circumstances, adding more hot water to the bath, and sometimes less happy circumstances, the cold water option. Take the plug out, otherwise what, my children might have asked. Otherwise, you will become other-wise, I may have replied. To grow, to gain wisdom, we often need change. We need to challenge ourselves to explore the wider options of the otherwise. And if life wisdom is the path, there can be no wrong choices, just different choices and different routes. Dreams project outcomes based on our past responses to life. In this way, they may be considered to be blueprints of the future. If the man's tornado dream was indeed about his financial affairs, then it may have been reflecting his fears and beliefs that his money will go down the drain, and such fears possibly may have created that result. What actions could he take after considering his dream? He may have saved money by withdrawing his investments if he was in danger of creating doom. Otherwise, he could use the dream to identify his negative fears and beliefs and change them using dream alchemy practices. By changing the blueprint, he's projected future changes and the situation is diffused. To change the outcome change the belief. To change the outer world, 
change the inner one. Beware the warning dream, otherwise you may miss real gold. Now, here is the deeper meaning of this man's dream. The five tornadoes represented five major changes, the winds of change in this man's life that each time had torn his calm world apart. Water often represents the emotions. These changes had stirred his deepest emotions, even though everything appeared calm on the surface. His dream reflected his belief, based on these experiences, that whenever things were calm, a huge change would sweep in and shake him to the core. This belief extended to his financial affairs, ensuring regular calamity. His dream offered him the opportunity to look back at those changes, to reap the wisdom of the otherwise, and to transform his belief that change was not always destructive, but could be constructive as well. Life lessons. Are we meant to learn life lessons from our dreams? Asked Cheryl in an email I received recently. It's a good question, both simple and complex, and one that many people ask. So, are we meant to learn lessons from our dreams? I remember watching Isabel, my granddaughter, when she was eight months old and learning to crawl. You might think crawling is innate, an instinct, but not all babies crawl before they can walk. Some progress directly from sitting to standing and walking while others become mobile by rolling around or shuffling on their bottoms or scrabbling on their hands and feet rather than on their hands and knees. Newborns have an instinctive crawling reflex. If you place a newborn on her mother's tummy, she will usually do the breast crawl, crawling up to latch onto her mother's nipple. If you place babies onto their tummies in the first weeks of life, you will see them make little movements like crawling. Although they don't make any forward movement, this action is believed to help protect them from asphyxiation when lying face down. The instinct seems to disappear after a few weeks. Because babies in some cultures never crawl, it appears crawling is just one of many possible ways that babies find to satisfy a drive to be mobile before they work out how to walk. Here's what I've learned from watching Isabel learn to crawl. The most important thing to her is the toy she wants to get to. It's about keeping her eye on the prize. Locked on all fours, swaying, getting nowhere, you can almost hear her thinking, searching for a solution. At least, that's my interpretation of what's going on. Does this remind you of a situation in your life, now or in the past, where you knew what you wanted to achieve, but you couldn't seem to make it happen? Or you couldn't quite work out exactly what to do? Or you just felt stuck? What did you do next? Keep trying? Get frustrated? Look for a different solution? Give up? Feel like a failure? Cry for help? What was the right thing to do? Was there a life lesson here? Some argue for persistence. Stick with the formula. Stick with what you're doing. 
Stick with doing what you're doing and you will eventually succeed. Others argue the opposite. If what you're doing isn't working, then you need to change what you're doing. Isabel might have found a different way of being mobile. She got pretty good at doing the roly-poly, which by adding a wriggle here and there sort of got her to where she wanted to be. However, crawling still intrigued her, so she spent more time swaying on all fours, thinking, and growing stronger. After a few days, she tried hefting both legs at the same time. Then she finally worked out the cross-crawl pattern, moving the right knee and the left hand, then the left knee and the right hand. What can you take from Isabel's story to apply to a situation where you feel stuck? Are you really stuck? Or, like a baby swaying on all fours, are you really in training? Practicing and acquiring accessory skills. Gaining strength. Developing and refining systems. Even if all you've got is a feeling of getting nowhere. Is the resistance you feel actually assistance in disguise? Is giving up the best solution, or might today is giving up the best solution, or might today be the day when everything you have learned finally clicks into alignment and quite suddenly you achieve your goal? You can't walk before you can crawl is a commonly quoted axiom. It's not necessarily true when considered literally but it's generally true metaphorically. I'm not sure what kind of lesson Cheryl, the woman who emailed me for advice, was referring to when she asked me if we're meant to learn lessons from our dreams. Our dreams reflect our personal beliefs about life, the life lessons we have drawn and relied upon, and the new life lessons in the making. The lessons I draw from my life experiences may be different from the lessons you draw. And the lessons you drew when you were 10 may be different from the lessons you will draw when you are 90. And what seems right or feels right or works right for you may be totally wrong for me. However, the more we share and compare what our life lessons have taught us, the closer we move toward living our lives in a meaningful way. When you interpret your dreams, you understand the unconscious patterns of your life. You see how you live your life according to the personal lessons you have learned. And you see which of those life lessons are working well for you and which are not. It's never too late to learn. Oh, (laughs) that's a universal life lesson, by the way. If it's meaningful life lessons you're after, look into your dreams to understand your life how its circumstances have shaped you and how you can choose to shape it. The train. I had a recurring dream when I was a university student back in the early 70s in Glasgow, Scotland. In my dream, I would arrive at the train station to see my train leaving or I would miss my train because I was on the wrong platform or because the stairs to the correct platform formed some kind of endless Mobius strip, or because I was at the wrong station altogether. I never did catch that dream train until 
the night before I took my final exams. That night I jumped on the train, found a spacious carriage and plumped myself down on a luxuriously padded seat. The man sitting opposite me put down his newspaper and gave me a conspirational, a conspiratorial <laughs> welcome smile. Now our journey could really begin. I laughed so loudly that I woke myself up. Those were the days when a university degree hinged on how well you did in the final exams. It wasn't a continuous assessment thing based on assignments. It was all about revising everything you had been taught during the degree course. It was about carrying all the facts into the exam hall before letting them flow through the inky nib of your fountain pen as fast as you could in three hours of cramped hand writing. Then you would have a lunch break and go back in for another three hours and so on. At first, I thought it strange that I caught my dream train before I took my exams at what you might think would be the most stressful time rather than catching it after sitting for the last exam or after the results were announced. On my way into the exam, I realised I had done everything I could do to prepare for it. What would happen in the exam hall would only reflect my preparation or lack of it. I had arrived at the station, I felt all the conditions were in my favour and I had the ticket to journey on with the rest of my life. Now that I look back on this recurring dream and its happy resolution, I see so much more depth than I realised at the time. It wasn't only about my training, my fears and feelings about studying, whether I was doing the right course or going in the right direction, whether all the studying would ever end. It went much deeper than this. If I'd known then what I know now about dreams, dream analysis and dream alchemy, I would have learned personal and spiritual lessons that would have conferred much greater rewards than my academic degree did. I went to university at a young age. I was 16 and I graduated at 20. I could have benefited from those deeper lessons as I journeyed into my 20s. And that's the end of part seven. (laughs) Thank you for listening to part seven of Bird of Paradise. The next instalment, part eight, will be released as episode 273-273, which will come out on the 7th of September 2023, if you're listening to this in real time. Remember, you can buy the paperback or digital version of Bird of Paradise wherever you usually buy your books or look under books on the menu on my website at janeteresa.com. janeteresa.com is also where you can go to discover my other books and courses as well as to consult me privately. And janeteresa.com is also where you can go to listen back through all previous episodes of The Dream Show. If you're keen to listen to guests exploring their dreams with me, go to episode 265 and work back from there. Thank you for listening to yet another episode of The Dream Show. I'm Jane Teresa Anderson.